Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Springfield politicians, they promise they won't tax retirement income if their constitutional amendment passes, but their measure lets them increase income taxes on every group of taxpayers, including retirees. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J., take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show as I speak. It's Friday, October 16th, 2020. Of course, the podcast you can listen anytime. That voice uh, you heard at the start before Dennis uh, brought in the introductory music is a woman named Phyllis. And the people who are very much against the Fair Tax Initiative in Illinois have been broadcasting Phyllis's voice and her message uh, throughout the state uh, for at least a week or so, driving me out of my freaking mind because it's all a bunch of BS and lies. Uh, uh, that uh, on that script that she is reading, but you know what? You guys are tired of hearing me say Phyllis's message is BS and lies. I thought I'd bring in another person to also just talk a little bit about this issue and why it's so important. And uh, so, as I do with all bonus guests, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, this is Amisha Patel, and I am the executive director of Grassroots Collaborative. It's good to be here. Yes, it's been too long since Amisha was a regular uh, on the show. And I forget what happened, Amisha, but something happened. And uh, I don't know what Lord knows uh, why I haven't had you back in a while, but it's good to see you and uh, hear your voice and have you on talking about the issues of the day. Grassroots Collaborative, as the name suggests, uh, is an organization uh, dedicated to, to change and fairness uh, in uh, Chicago and the state of Illinois. And the fair tax. Oh, my goodness, Amisha, where do we start with the fair tax? Uh, we've been, I, as I said, I've been uh, having a field day with that commercial, uh, the Phyllis commercial, I call it where they're trying to scare senior citizens into voting uh, against uh, their best interests. So let's start at the top. And uh, in your opinion, um, why do we need this referendum uh, to pass? Yeah, so, um, you know, for over 10 years, uh, my organization and many others have been working on this referendum and we've been spending we've spent this much time on it because uh, because it is so critical. Um, Currently, our state income tax system is upside down. So what I mean by that is that the wealthiest people um, have the lowest tax burden and the poorest people have the highest tax burden in our state. 
And one of the reasons this is true is because of our state income tax. So by constitutional mandate, everyone has the same flat state income tax rate. And what this means is that the burden of that flat tax flat interest rate ta- is, is much higher on lower income people than it is on higher income people. So you are asking lower income people to basically subsidize um, the taxes of the wealthiest who are not being asked to pay their fair share. So this matters because it literally means that we are leaving billions of dollars in the hands of the wealthiest people who are not being asked to pay their fair share in taxes. And what that means is that we have billions less for schools, healthcare, edu- you know, for education, human services, all of the things that we, you know, our fam- uh, families across the state depend on, but depend on even more now with this pandemic, you know, that has raised such, you know, such clarity of, of the big needs that exist in our, in our communities across the state and across the country. So, um, our chance to actually make the tax system fair um, and also to bring in really critically needed resources to fund the basic, you know, kind of common good needs of our residents is why people need to vote yes. All right. Uh, so just uh, so folks know, uh, this is an initiative that's on the ballot uh, in large part because Governor Pritzker, uh, newly elected in 2018, uh, twisted enough arms in the state house uh, to get enough legislators to vote to put it uh, on the ballot. But it takes 60 percent of the vote to pass it. And uh, that's quite a challenge. Don't you agree? Yeah, there's actually, it's a little complicated. There's two ways to pass it. There's also could be 50% plus one of people voting on the question. Um, so it's really, you know, basically, yes, but it is a high bar and it's a high bar because changing the constitution is should be something that, um, you know, folks are really serious about and, and, and in very large support of. Um, we, and I'll say, you know, just kind of a slight correction to what you said Um been about why why we're here is actually i mean again 10 years of organizing to build a political demand for changing this tax code is um definitely um you know sort of set up for um pritzker to come in and i mean and he did campaign on it he campaigned on it very clearly that this was a key piece to moving the state of illinois forward in the right direction um but he campaigned on that you know kind of off of a decade of work um at the grassroots level across the state of illinois Fair enough. Let me rechange it. Uh, yes, if he twisted those arms in the state house, it's only because grassroots activists had effectively been twisting his arms for ten years, uh, and not just his arms, but everybody else's. Although Michael Madigan seemed impervious to arm twisting for many, many years. I remember activists begging Madigan, "Put it on a ballot, 2014." So uh, it just seemed everything came together in 2018, uh, and Pritzker. Uh, felt compelled for whatever reason to stand by his uh, promise. All right, so you explain why we need it. Now let's just talk about some of the arguments uh, that are being raised against it because, well, first of all, let's talk about who is funding the campaign against it because uh, it's they've raised, I want to say, about $50 million to air ads. So who's behind this? 
Yes. Um, so, you know, it's uh, some of the state's wealthiest people are, you know, not surprisingly fighting very hard to make sure that um, that we do not win, because making sure that we do not win means their taxes don't go up. Um, so some of the people we're talking about is Ken Griffin, um, who for many years was the state's richest man. He's now second richest behind a Walton. Um, Ken Griffin, you know, has um, has put the bulk of those resources into the opposition. And, you know, I think we have to really look at um, a figure like Ken Griffin and understand um, the kind of the way that he has, you know, is increasingly moving to affect policy um, in the state of Illinois. So, you know, Griffin gets, you know, oftentimes lauded for his charitable contributions by Chicago mayors. Um, first, Rahm Emanuel, when um, Griffin put in, I think, about $12 million to pave a bike trail, and then followed by Lori Lightfoot, who thanked Ken Griffin multiple times around his charity contributions um, during, I think, COVID, also more money towards that bike trail. <laughs> and, you know, the reality is, like, at this, you know, while he's doing these, you know, which, you know, millions of dollars can be seen as significant, but in the context of his full worth of, you know, multiple billions, it's really, um, it's really nothing. And, you know, and he's actually spending millions more, in fact, than anything he's contributed um, directly to address COVID or to address his bike, uh, to fix the bike lane. He's spending, you know, million times more um, to wipe out the public health infrastructure in Illinois by actually funding the opposition campaign. Right by putting in his, you know, putting in this um, money to stop, um, to, to create some confusion and create um, fear around this tax ballot question, and you know, I think we have to really look at like the role of elected officials in kind of ooing and eyeing at these like billionaire philanthropists who, frankly, are you know actually should just be paying their fair share in taxes, and then we wouldn't need their charity. Um, so we have to look at a character like Griffin. Um, Sam Zell is another one that has um, in support of um, the opposition to um, to the fair tax. And you know, again, it's like who cares more about you? I think that sometimes editorial did this really well. Of like, you know, is it billionaires or social service providers? Who do you trust? Whose interest? Um, who's looking out for your interest? Um, and really, the whole kind of um, yeah, so anyway, it's a series, it's a set of billionaires along with the Illinois Policy Institute, um, which is really, you know, exists to kind of promote um, small government, promote um, very conservative approaches, uh, promote austerity. Um, these are all the, the kind of the sort of motivations that are up against us. And I think what, you know, our message has been really clear through this all, which is that this actually is about equity. And this is about really, again, right-sizing right our upside-down tax structure in the state. All right. Uh, let's, uh, by the way, what would your advice be to a mayor? I just have to follow up on that because I thought, I think about this all the time. Uh, when a really well-to-do right-winger kicks in a little money, and it is relatively little money uh, for something like the bike lane, the bike path, which, by the way, a lot of people are irritated that bike path because it took it. It's kind of wide, but that's a whole other story. Uh, when they kick in a little money and the mayor throws a press conference and heaps praise on them, 
and that kind of uh, warms the public up. I mean, that's like he kicked in that money for that bike path, but he got a lot of good publicity out of it. Uh, so people feel nice about him uh, so that they kind of look the other way uh, when he kicks in double the amount of money because he's uh, Kenny G's kicked in about 47 million, I want to say, yeah. 46 million, something like that uh, for the anti-fair tax initiative. So well, the people are a little hesitant to criticize him because he gave them money for the bike path. What would your advice to the mayor be? in terms of taking money from a well-to-do right winger uh, who is then going to use some of more of his money to undercut efforts to uh, fairly finance government. Yeah. My advice would be um, the mayor looking at any kind of charitable contributions to help run what is actually the like role of city government or state government um, is an abdication of their responsibility. So cities, states have taxing power. They have the power to build, to raise the revenues that are necessary to fund government. So anytime that government is depending on private philanthropy to cover the costs of things that should be provided by the government, it is an actual failure to take the tough decisions to make sure that you're raising the revenue from the places that could be raised from fund the things that our people need. Um, it means that we are actually constantly dependent on the charitable, in quotes, goodwill of these individual people who, as we see time and time again, um, do these donations not out of their goodwill and their good hearts, but because it is actually strategic um, and it is useful for them to create an image around their being such like warm-hearted, loving people. And again, while behind the scenes, what they're doing is really funding terrible policies, policies that are hurting working class people, party, policies that will actually lead to devastation in, in communities across the state. Um, you know, Ken Griffin really, um, one of the things that I think of when I think about Griffin was during the, um, during the school closings, when Rahm Emanuel announced 50 school closings. What Ken Griffin said was like that that was wrong, that Rahm Emanuel should not have closed 50. He should have closed 100. Yeah. Right. So that and then so I'm so, no, I don't uh, No mayor should um, laud this man for um, giving a few of his million dollars to pay for things that city government should pay for and could pay for if they tax the wealthy, if they made corporations pay their fair share, um, if they did the things that are actually the harder choices, um, but are the necessary choices to write, like to make sure that there's equity in our um, economy and equity in our, you know, sort of in our revenues and where they come from. Well put. Uh, this has been going, this game's been being played for many years, but it really started kicking into gear uh, with Millennium Park, uh, which was largely built with public dollars. But the, the city, the, for whatever reason, Mayor Daley put the spotlight on the private donors. Uh, who paid for some of the things at uh, Millennium Park. It's the maintenance is public and the park itself is largely public. But yes, Amisha, this has been going on for quite some while. All right, let's uh, let me get your response to some of the criticisms of the fair tax. Love to hear your response to these things. Uh, one of them is comes from an essay that ran in the Chicago Tribune. No surprise there. Chicago Tribune loves to run essays ripping the fair tax and write editorials doing the same thing. Uh, this one was written by a gentleman named Andy Shaw, uh, who was for many years a, a television reporter in Chicago, and then he became the head of the BGA, the Better Government Association, which is a government dedicated to uh, good government 
uh, matters. Uh, and Andy Shaw, if I may, may paraphrase, uh, said uh, he could not in any way, in good conscience, endorse uh, the fair tax. In fact, he would encourage people to vote no uh, until, and I'm saying this with a straight face, until Illinois cleaned up all its corruption and became a corruption-free state. Uh, then we could maybe address uh, raising the rates on the wealthiest peoples. Um, Amisha, your response. Well, one, um, it's uh, it's really funny that corruption is de- defined um, solely as um, elected officials, and we're not talking about these same billionaires um, that are really corrupting the system constantly, again, in terms of putting in their dollars and massive amounts of dollars to move their agenda. So I think, one, it's um, it's just not true that it's uh, that, that – individual people um, with huge amounts of wealth are not part of corrupting the system. And I think the other piece is like, you know, um, there are, yeah, we have, we have work to do to challenge um, to, I mean, to trust our elected officials. Um, and that work um, means that we actually can't just stop with voting, right? We actually have to vote and then we have to continue to hold our elected officials accountable um, to make things different. And the idea that like, uh, that, you know, we're willing to just let the entire state tank because there isn't, we're going to be in a massive, um, you know, even bigger economic crisis without these, without these revenues, um, because this idea of like corruption needs to be cleaned up first. I would say that corruption is actually, again, the role on the constant role of billionaires in our communities and our society, um, who have undue influence over the system, who are subverting the will of the people all the time. So yes, we need democracy. We need democratic control and democratic power. We want to make sure that our elected officials are accountable to us and not to wealthy billionaires or not to corporations who's, you know, looking for the handouts. Um, But let's be real that it's not, you know, truck drivers that are putting millions into getting a better tax rate for themselves. Um, it is folks like Ken Griffin. It is folks like Sam Zell and um, Uline and other folks that are really trying to, who are constantly corrupting the system with their wealth. So, um, you know, I think what we are really focused on is that like, we need the resources to make sure that um, it goes to the, you know, and, and that those resources go to the places that they need. And that is absolutely our job. You know, I would never say that voting yes on this and then being like, cool, we're done is ever going to work. Like we know that once we pass this, we have to continue to come together, continue to organize and advocate for those dollars to go to our communities where they most need it. We know that actually with this like huge crisis at hand, it will require all of us to pull together to help solve it. And I don't under, like there's not not an option to say that we're going to get to dealing with the fact of massive austerity and economic crisis. So like five years from now, well, then we're going to be ready to do it. Um, we've got we've got problems that we have to solve. And we know that when we come together, we can do it. I mean, she help me out with something. And uh, it's an add on to your response. It was just a couple of years ago that the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois were talking about uh, combining forces to spend at least, at least $2 billion. We don't know the full amount because they kept it secret, but at least $2 billion. They were going to literally give it to Amazon to move Chicago. Now, I thought I read every single article pro and con about giving the money to Amazon. Usually I was the one writing the con articles. There were not a lot of people joining me in that. I can't recall 
Andy Shaw or any good government person anywhere in the city of Chicago who said, I'm sorry, but I cannot sign on to the deliverance of two billion, that's billion with a B, dollars to the world's richest man to subsidize a complex that he really doesn't need a subsidize, subsidy to build until we clean up corruption in the state of Illinois. We cannot spend $2 billion on Amazon until corruption is... In fact, I don't remember that argument being raised when Mayor Richard uh, M. Daly, so a little before your time, wanted to spend even more money bringing the Olympics here. No, so, not before my time, unfortunately. Okay. okay, you lived through that one. So, Amisha, help me out here. Yeah. How come it's only when it's a program that might benefit like a working class person or a middle class person or a poor person, does the good government community of Chicago care about corruption? But when it comes to be a freaking handout to billionaires, you never hear one word about corruption from the good government community. Help me out on that one, Amisha. I love it. That's totally right. It makes me also think about that when we're talking about the numbers like this, multiple billions of these like mega TIF deals, right, that you and I have talked a lot about, um, where, again, you know, it's like that's there's no question of that. But like, you know, what business at the, you know, if, if it's um, if it's business and developers at the center, there are no questions. But when it's it's totally right on. But when it is actually working people, black people, immigrants, people of color, then suddenly it's a thing of like now you suddenly care about corruption when it's actually, you know, um, a smokescreen. Like, I don't like what is what is the solution if like if we're actually not going to make wealthy people pay their fair share? Like how how is this economy actually going to work? Who is the, you know, and the, the, I think it begs the question, like, who is this economy for? Who's at the center of making of, of decisions that get made? And, you know, I think you see real true colors of people in moments like this um, who have a lot of personal, have a personal stake or personally invested in, um, in the suffering of other people. Because if, you know, because it means that they benefit. There was a study um, that, uh, I'm going to forget what it stands for, but ITAP, um, Institute on Tax Equity, Tax and Economic Policy. That could be totally wrong, but ITAP, I-T-E-P, did a study recently that looked to say, okay, if if we had um, a graduated income tax structure like we're trying to create here, if we had the same tax rates that, were, that, are, that would go into effect if we vote yes, if that was in effect um, 20 years ago, what that what they found because you know you can't it's hard to project forward um, with accuracy but they just said okay yeah let, there's lots of variables but let's just say this was this was in place 20 years ago what they found was that actually the flat tax in Illinois shifts responsibility for paying 27 billion more in personal income taxes from the top three percent of earners to families with less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars over that 20 year period, a 27 billion wealth transfer from the richest people from, I'm sorry, taken from the poorest people and given to the richest people. Right. Which like, and then we talk about race through this, right? So in that looking in that same scenario, what they found was that black and Latinx taxpayers with taxable incomes, again, less than $250,000 have paid, would have paid 4 billion more in taxes over that period of time. Um, or did pay for four billion more in taxes than if there had been a, a, a fair fair tax. So 
I mean, I just think like the huge amount of inequity embedded in our tax structure, like people, you know, tax structures are racist tax structure. We know very clearly that they benefit the rich. We don't always understand how they benefit white people. And studies like this are really important to show that it is basically a way of transferring wealth from poor people, from people of color to rich people, to white folks. And so anyone who says to me today that they are against this changing that, they're against stopping that, and again, changing this upside down tax structure to something that is more fair, tells me very clearly what they believe in, what their values are, who they care about. Um, and, you know, I think that's our job in this period of time. Like it's election season, right? Voting has already started. People are voting on this question. We are trying to talk to as many people as possible. And we, and actually when we have conversations, the hardest part is reaching people during COVID. It is really hard to reach people. We don't have great phone numbers for folks. But when we reach people and we have this conversation, huge, huge, massive, way more than we need majorities of people support voting yes, commit to voting yes, because it makes sense. It's common sense. And the, the ad war is there to confuse. It is to like put out lies. It is to scare people. And again, we have to look at who is funding that opposition and what is their self-interest. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, that bl- brings me uh, to the Phyllis commercial. Uh, I have already wrote, a, I've talked a lot about this in the show and I wrote a little bit about it in the reader. Uh, we played it at the outset Phyllis is the name of a senior citizen who lives in the suburbs, I think Park Ridge. Uh, And uh, (laughs) her argument uh, is that uh, somehow or other, if uh, fair tax passes, that will lead to a taxation on retirement income, which is currently untaxed uh, in the state of Illinois. No state tax is imposed on it. Uh, Amisha, that's a, a very potent argument for the other side to make because seniors uh, vote probably a greater number than any other uh, age group. I believe that's true. Um, So please talk about the Phyllis commercial, the claims that she makes in that commercial and uh, what relation, if any, any to the truth do they have? Go ahead. Yeah, that's a total lie. Um, Illinois is one of, I think, 12 states that don't collect income tax on any retirement income. And the fair, passing voting yes on this will not change that. That is not what is part of the question. The question is a very simple change. It changes the language in the Constitution that says that state income taxes have to be flat. So voting yes means we change that to say that it doesn't have to be flat. That is what it changes. Nothing about retirement income. And it's, you know, it's being used over and over because it is power. It's a powerful scare tactic. Um, And, you know, again, it's just like, and it's, and it's people, the people who are the, just the irony, right. Of the folks who are funding these ads are people who are actually more dangerous um, to seniors and to other people in this, in, in our state than, um, than this ballot question is by far. Oh, I'll, I'll take it one step further. I know there's a lot of pensioners listening to me, 
The same people who are funding right. this yes. campaign are the I'm ones who fund the anti-pension plant campaign. If there's right. one pensioner in the state of, I'm saying it's not Amisha. If there's one pensioner who in the state of Illinois who votes for this, you should lose your pension just automatically because you're too dumb to earn it. In my humble opinion, take the pension money and kick it back to the job. Amisha's going, Ben, you're going off. You're going off message with that. I'm sorry. That's how I view, view it, Amisha. If someone is so dumb to vote for this initiative that's sponsored by people who are just trying to destroy pensions and use, they use them. They use them, Amisha. They use pensions. How many times have you heard the Kenny G's of the world use pensions to try to turn people against government, to try to yeah. turn people against taxation? You know what I mean? Like, this is huge waste. They get it. You don't get it. And these are the same people who are funding the anti-fair tax initiative. So that's why it really kind of irritates me. You understand what I'm saying, Amisha? Well, I mean, this is a, this is our challenge, right? When, when we talk about anything connected to taxes and budgets, like, people are like, no. Like, don't even want to, I don't even know what the thing is, but I'm going to say no. And that's because of just this, like, you know, legacy of unfair taxation, of continual, like, taxation on working people. Um, the, they Working people have, like, you know, have have carried the burden of taxation, um, like, over and over, and it wasn't always the case, right? That wasn't always the case. It was actually corporations paid way more in taxes than, than individuals. And then that, you know, people have seen that chart where the lines totally crisscrossed and weight that's like reversed, right? Um, and so there has been a constant attack on people, on working people, a constant um, fear attack, a constant, you know, um, manipulation of people, and what we see here, I mean, it's, again, that people's fear is what will drive them to vote no because they are terrified that it is going to hurt them. And that's what the opposition is banking on. And you're making a really important point that these are absolutely the same figures that ha- would do. I mean, I, Ken Griffin, who he has given the most money to besides this bout, besides you know, protecting his own wealth through this um, opposition campaign, is Bruce Rauner. And Bruce Rauner's agenda, which was very much an anti-worker agenda, going after public pensions, going after public workers, um, it was very. I mean, that was what Ken Kenny Griffin was like way into, and was you know put, I think around the same like almost fifty million, forty or fifty million dollars in Bruce Rauner's election drive. <laughs> so that same amount is what's being used now. And the, the, the link to this all is that it's, again, all about his own self-interest. So for Andy Shaw or for anyone else to claim that this is not, that it's anything but rich people trying to protect their riches, um, it's just a total lie. All right. Uh, we'll close it down with this. If people want to uh, get involved, if they want to help you uh, and others try to uh, pass the fair tax, what can they do? Yeah, we are doing lots of phone banking. Um, we are trying. We are on the phones um, every single day, trying to talk to as many voters as possible. Um, the best way you can sign up is there is a website called um, yesforfairtax.org. Um, and that is uh, part of the, the you can you can get involved there. You can sign up for a phone banking shift. The other thing is it's also very like talk, talk to your people, talk to your family members, talk to um, your friends, your neighbors, like nothing will like you are trusted in your communities. 
um, more than it will can break through the confusion around around these ads. Having these conversations is really critical. Every single vote is going to matter. I mean, this is as you said from the top. Like this is a, a really high bar for us to meet. Um, not only um, I mean, losing this would have massive implications and, and be totally devastating to our state. It also has really big national implications. Like if a state like Illinois can't raise revenue on the wealthiest people, our, our ability to do this and to run these campaigns successfully in other parts of the country over the next five, 10 years where austerity again and this economic crisis from COVID is just escalating will have national implications. So um, yeah, this is, this is our shot to be able to finally bring some fairness into the system, but really that raised raise resources for us to actually focus on racial equity in our state. We, don't, can't, we can't fund racially equitable solutions without resources. This allows us to begin to do that, to correct the past harms, correct all the ways that people have, again, shouldered the burden instead of the rich, and it's time to change that. So there's definitely tell everyone you know to vote yes. Um, but then also join us for a phone banking shift. Um, it's actually a lot of fun to have these conversations and folks are really um, thankful to have the conversation to break through all of the noise. Uh, Misha, I've heard, I have not voted yet. I tend to be a, a last minute person, vote the day of, and I know it's so antiquated, but I vote day of an election. Um, I've gotten mixed responses to this uh, question. Uh, so you help me out on this one. Where is the question on the ballot. Some people told you, oh, Ben, it's the first thing I see, even above the president. And then other people say it's at the bottom of the ballot. Uh, so <laughs> even that, Illinois, man, you can't just do it the right way, whatever. Where is it on the ballot? Go ahead. It's really, it's like there's so many barriers that we have to battle here. So it depends on where you are. It's why you're getting mixed answers is because they're in, it's in different locations depending on which county you live in and how you're trying to vote. So I'm voting by mail. Um, for me in um, Cook County, voting by mail, it's um, to the left of the president. Um, and it's in a different color because that's apparently legally what it needs to do. So it can look like it's just instructions. Like it's really easy to miss. It's very scary. So like it could be to the left, the whole kind of majority of the front page, besides voting for president and senator and other things, um, is this question about voting yes on fair um, I believe if you go into the polls in, in Cook County, um, it is the first um, electronic you know, screen is, is just unfair tax, right? Which that's great because you have to, you, it forces you to look at it to understand what you're being asked and to vote on that before you move to president. Um, in some pages, in some counties, I hear it's like on a second page, it's on the back of it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's all over. So it's really important for, um, for voters listening to look very carefully to find the question and to make sure that you vote yes. Well, Amisha, you know this better than anyone because you've been uh, fighting a good fight for many years. They never make it easy. Yeah. They never make it easy for any kind of economic justice in this world. It's, it's, it's going to be hard. They always make it hard because if they made it easy, uh, they'd have to give up a little of what they got. So uh, anyway, Amisha Patel, thank you very much. Grassroots Collaborative. And um, let's pass this fair tax. Vote yes. Right, Amisha? Absolutely. Vote yes and tell all your people to vote yes. All right. That's Amisha Patel. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island 
Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.